Hello, and welcome to Integral Yoga Podcast, live from Yogaville. Today I am joined by Reverends Bhavani and Bhagavan Metro, who have been devotees of uh, Sri Swami Sachidananda since 1973, have lived here at Yogaville since 1981. They teach all aspects of integral yoga with an emphasis on community and married life. And you have six children, 15 grandchildren, mm -hmm. three great-grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so pretty cool, very integral part of this community here. So thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's our thank joy. You, so Bhavani, I'd like to start by asking you, what matters to you? Mm. Bhagavan. <laughs> you want Bhagavan to answer that one? Uh, no, no. Bhagavan matters to me. Oh, Bhagavan matters Bhagavan to me. Bhagavan has mm. been my partner forever. Mm. In this lifetime, since we were 16, he matters to me. Our children and our spiritual path. Being here at Yogaville, being able to be part of this incredible journey. But first and foremost, Bhagavan. What's the key to a successful relationship to you? Mm. Always putting the other person first when you can. Mm. Sometimes you, you can't quite get there. But for the most part, you're always watching and looking what you can do to help the other person, to be their partner, to be a, to make a success of your relationship. Looking for the uh, things that you can do together, things you, how you can support each other, love each other, care about what they're interested in, and take care of home and family, and take care of providing for family. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of kids. Mm -hmm. I wanted 12 to start with. Six was where I ended up with, but 12 works. I mean, six works. <laughs> 12 would have worked great too, but anyway. Mm -hmm. Of course, the reality is though, um, meeting Gurudev, We'd already been studying with Ishwaran for uh, four years. Eknath Ishwaran, and then, but, and he had an ashram as well, but not quite the family that we wanted. And then when we met Gurudev, he just opened his arms up and brought us all in, mm. all our kids and everything. And it was, we knew right away, didn't we? We did. Knew right away. Was it important for you that that Gurudev really accepted and embraced uh, family life, as well as you know, uh, being a sannyas, you know, himself and creating his own sannyas order? But that he accepted either either path was was that important for you? Sure, because I think looking at his history, he was a householder. So he was a householder first, and then after the passing of his wife, then went into the, into the monastic order and did all that. So he knew, he knows what the householder path is. He's coming from a place of experience. And frankly, the advice he gave us over the years was extraordinary, and you felt the depth of it because he had been there as well. Can I tell you a funny story, though? Please. At one point, when we first moved to Connecticut, um, I was in the school board meeting. They had appointed us to the school board, and it was just brand new. So he said, we need to have a boarding school. I'm thinking about having a gurukulam. That means a boarding school. And I said, but Kurudev, I had all these kids. I don't want to give them to somebody else to raise. Mm. <laughs> and he turned around and I said, oh, Bhavani. You remind me of my mother. <laughs> mm. And it was such a sweet moment and a sweet moment, it, and, you know. And so him just knowing, just knowing what that householder path was and supporting us through every the, all the ups and downs. And oh my goodness, there have been a lot of them. <laughs> mm. And he was, he's, and he still is right there with us mm. as we're going through him. He, he said, he said, learn to surf. He wasn't joking. <laughs> the highs and the lows mm. come and go. So. 
Bhagavan, I'd like to ask you, what does integral yoga mean to you? How would you define it to someone who never heard of integral yoga before? Yeah. I would say it's a scientific method of cleansing your mind and purifying your heart so that you can have the realization of your true self. Those branches are, of course, you know, the six that we practice here um, and all of the allied disciplines that go with it. That would be my first answer to that, you know, the basic answer. If I only had 30 seconds. Yeah. Right. May I share something sure. with that? The, the thing that got me originally with integral yoga was Gurudev's primary teaching, truth is one, paths are many. There are as many paths that are divine as there are people to get there. And we need to honor and respect and worship and welcome all people of all faiths and all traditions. Because even if you're of the same tradition like we are with integral yoga, we still, even in satsang, come out with a different understanding because each path is our own. So that that was huge for me. His all embracing everyone and every aspect of of uh, people's lives throughout the world. And of course he was a promoter of world peace through inner peace and the more peaceful we each become, the more peaceful the whole world comes. That 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 was my mm. big a big one for me. Vani and I go out and we do a lot of weddings because that's like our side gig here uh, since we've been retired and even before that. So we often get answer, asked that question, what are you ministers of? Because our approach is very different. And uh, we tell them integral yoga and then they ask us that question. So we both have our short answers down <laughs> pat. <laughs> that was mine, that was hers. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. It's true. Commitment. Yeah. It's a, it seems to be a pretty intimidating for many people mm -hmm. to, to commit. Yeah. I want to ask you, you know, as ministers uh, for many weddings, um, what have you learned about commitment? Um, and then also this feeling, I'm, I'm sure many, <laughs> I'm sure you're the, the rate of all the people that have uh, that you've seen seen married isn't a hundred percent that they all you know last right that there's mm -hmm. divorce and and so what do you think is a, a healthy view of of commitment should we feel if we make a commitment and then it doesn't work out the way that we had hoped that it would you know how do we deal with that in our mind okay obviously we never believed that it, a commitment should ever be, be broken for any reason, because here we are still together, you know. And there were plenty of reasons. <laughs> mm. And there, and there uh, were rough years, rough yeah. years along the yeah. way, rough years. And always plenty of reasons can happen, mm -hmm. or if the reasons aren't happening, we can come up with reasons. Um, the mind needs to be committed to what it's doing in order to succeed, because the purification of the mind is a very difficult thing. It takes a lot of blows for the mind to let go of the idea that uh, peace and happiness are exterior. So when we join up with someone in a relationship, we need to have a higher commitment than just, oh, I'm going to love you as long as you're lovable. Mm -hmm. Because that's simply not going to happen because nobody can be lovable all the time, at least not until you're a guru and completely realized, then you can be completely loving. And even then, the gurus sometimes aren't completely loving, <laughs> so you won't get attached to them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll do that. So uh, we need to have a commitment like we're going to stick this thing out no matter what. I think people let go too fast these days. I think they do. And, and they just step out of a situation that's really purifying them in a beautiful way. And they don't go. They don't go along with it. Uh, Gurudev always told the story of two pieces of stone that was in the temp that were in the temple, and uh, you know they were chipping away on one, and uh, it didn't like it, and it screamed out, and they stopped chipping on it, and the other one 
kept chipping on it and chipping on it. And then it eventually became a beautiful deity. And the other stone said, well, why is it that you're the deity and I'm not? And simply said, I stuck it out <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> while they were chipping on me and it was hurting. I felt yeah. there was something greater, something better. So in the path of marriage, relationship, partnership, it's a really excellent way to get yourself purified from the yogic standpoint because all of the, the difficult things come up. You know, anything you can imagine happening to someone in life can will happen mm -hmm. or can happen to a married couple. So then we have to figure out how we're going to survive that and thrive in it and how we're going to let that clean us up. So I think commitment's necessary, especially if you're on a spiritual path in a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> we always have an add-on and add-on yeah, for each of us. Sure. The, uh, I see commitment as a commitment in your own self. It's not a commitment to the other person. It's a commitment that you make, that that's what you're doing. You're staying in this relationship. It doesn't have to do with the other person. But we have this saying that we say oftentimes in weddings, you can choose every day to withhold your love or to give your love. It's your choice. So choose to give that love to your partner because at any time it can go either direction. And some days, frankly, you do withhold it and then other days you give it, but you hope it's more the giving than the withholding. But it's really a matter of choice. Your love is your own. Who you give it to is your choice as well. So, and just you know, give I, it. I do want to say here that commitment is important for both people in the relationship because we've seen many situations where one of the partners was totally committed to it, but the other partner was not. And that's a very difficult situation to be in because the partner who's committed to it is the one who's always giving, always, always, always doing everything, and the other partner's not giving anything to the relationship or not much. So when both people are committed, then when one's down, the other lifts them up, and when the other's down, you know, back and forth, you can do that. So uh, it's important to both be committed. Yeah. And Gurudev is very clear, too. Uh, when we talked to him about it, and then other couples here that were uh, counseled with Gurudev too, is very clear. If there is a child involved, the child needs both parents, period. He just, mm -hmm. he, he didn't budge on that. He said, get over, basically get over yourselves and do what you have to do to raise this child in a loving environment. He was very, very firm on that. So, so that anyway. helped us out. We had a lot of children. Yes. We Know, stay together for the children, <laughs> and after the children were gone, grandchildren. So yeah. we stayed together for the grandchildren. <laughs> now the grandchildren are gone, great grandchildren, they're <laughs> gone. Now we're just staying together because we love each other. <laughs> there is that, there is that, there is that. So is the, is the message there that to be patient, wait it out, and even if you're going through really hard times, yeah. that there is a reason why you chose to make this commitment? Yes. To begin with. Yes. And wait. Be patient. Yes. You'll be reminded why you made that choice again. Yes. This, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, this too will pass. <laughs> Everything passes. So if uh -huh. you're going through a very hard time, it's going to pass. And some hard things may go on for years. Some may be permanent in your life, even. Mm -hmm. But as you stay with things that way and let them be what they are. They don't disturb you in the way that if you resist them. When you're resisting something, it's very disturbing. But when you say, okay, somehow this is doing me what good. You know, like Gurdjieff said, uh, you know, it's all your name, it's all your form, it's all your deed, and it's all for good. So if we see our partner as the name and form of God and see all of their deeds as the deeds of God, and then see that it's all good for us, then, oh, then we get it. Then we're really getting home free because we can say, mm -hmm. okay, well, she, oh, not, not that Bhavani would do this, but <laughs> she screamed at me, okay. Only once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> Only once or twice. <laughs> so why? 
So, uh, so the question is why? And, and, you know, to find out there's something good in it. There's something good in every action if we can find it, every single action. Mm-hmm. So if we can take that approach toward our partner, then we see our partner as our spiritual uh, consort, mm-hmm. you know, our mm-hmm. spiritual companion. That's it. That, and that's different than just being a committed, loving couple. Mm-hmm. Your spiritual aspirants together. So you both have that vision that whatever you're going through is benefiting you some way or another. doesn't mean it's not hard because sometimes it was. We used to early on, oh no, different times in our life, Bhagavan and I would, when he was going to work, we would give each other a kiss and said, let's not forget what we're here for. Mm. Because you get so caught up in life. And then other times we'd have an argument and said, don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out. (laughs) (laughs) So there was that one too. But it's all there. It's all there. And it's all part of it. Uh, Somebody told us way back when one of our spiritual teachers, we read it somewhere. If you don't get it right with your partner and you leave it, then you have to come back the next lifetime together again somewhere down the road and work your way through it again and get to the point again. <laughs> Bhagavan now look at each other and said, oh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go right through it this time. We're, we're not going to go back there and do that all again. <laughs> but so I have to bring up the flip side yeah. of, of this. Yeah. Perhaps someone's lesson that they need to learn is when to let something go and their tendency throughout their kind of incarnations has been to, for lack of of better language, put up with the situation as opposed to um, saying, okay, I have to step, step away. Because there are certain situations, right? At least I would say from my perspective, where it seems okay, it's maybe appropriate to to leave, right? An abusive mm-hmm. situation, some, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's, I guess, why I bring up this topic, that I, that I think it's, it, it's, it's tricky, right? Um, it is. It, it feels to me that life is art sometimes, and to, to keep it open that way. Um, it, I don't know, because I, I see what yeah. you're saying about yeah. commitment, that the, the, having that just there... There's nothing that's ever going to break this. How that can really push you through. And without that, you won't be able to get through. But on the other side of it, so isn't it, isn't it important to kind of assess what we need as individuals, as people, to see where we're at, what our tendencies are? Okay, my tendency is maybe to struggle with commitment. So therefore, in this life, I'm going to have an intention to succeed at that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that's a possibility. It's just not what we've done. So I don't have a lot of insight into that side of it Mm. because Bhavani and I have said we're going to stay together no matter what. Okay, wait. I want to tell the tale, though. Okay. Back in the day, encounter groups were a big deal. In the the 60s 60s. in Berkeley where we were. And so we went to an encounter group for a full year with 23 other couples. Mm. At the end of it, all the couples decide whether or not they think the couple should stay together. Mm. Unanimously, they said we should split up, mm. That all the 23 couples. And we laughed at them and said, are you kidding me? We're not going to do that. <laughs> Three months later, we split up, split up. Mm. <laughs> uh, for about, what was it, two months or something. We couldn't stay away from mm. each other. We just had, in a, in a way, you have so much karma going, it has to be, you're, you're, you've got this stuff to go through. So if you stop, you're not going to get through it. So anyway. So maybe a little insight into your question. You know, either way can work, but you're going to have challenges either way. You know, if you stick together, you're going to have the challenge of learning how to get along. And if you split up with a person, you're going to have the challenge of learning how to be alone. So you can make either, you can go either path, really. Uh, This is just the way we chose to do it. Mm -hmm. So if someone else chooses to do it differently, I mean, I know couples who have left relationships that were untenable, and, you know, they're doing fine. Mm -hmm. And they grew spiritually through it. I mean, Mm -hmm. a separation is hard, too. 
You know, staying together can be hard, but a separation can be very, very, very difficult. Um, I think that what a person needs to be careful of is thinking if they split up from the person, they're going to be happy then, mm -hmm. completely happy, because they're just going to go into another challenge of a different nature, especially when couples have children and they split up and they have to both take care of the child. Well, they don't really split up. Right. <laughs> you know, They think they do, but they don't. So I tell people sometimes there's really no such thing as divorce. It's only putting it, you know, that aspect in in a second place in their life, maybe, you know, hopefully, because uh, you know you still have to deal with the person with the children, you still have to deal the person with the person with money, you still have to deal with the person in your memories and you know your hurts that you carry around and all those things. So uh, it always seemed to me that it was it was much easier to have one one wife than two or three or four. Do <laughs> 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 you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But, <laughs> The, one of the points that you bring up, is that the essence of the spiritual path to realize the tendency to search uh, for greener grass mm -hmm. elsewhere, right? That, yeah. that those of us who, you know, maybe are not in relationships, we think, mm -hmm. oh, only if I was in a relationship, that's yeah. going to make me happy. Or if you're in a relationship, if only I, I can get my freedom again and only have mm -hmm. to worry about myself, mm -hmm. if I could break free of this, yeah. then my life is going to be happy. Is that the e essence of this spiritual path to to kind of um, realize that game yeah. and rise above it? I think that's exactly I it. Too. I think that when you realize that nothing, no situation, no condition, no gain in this life is going to make you permanently happy or permanently peaceful, that's when you really have it. That's when you really understand. Because even in our relationship, I'm not asking Bhavani to make me happy. Uh, because I know that's asking too much of the relationship, too much from her. But I am asking myself to be happy in the relationship. And I'm saying, you know, this is what we have. This is what we're working with. This is our joy. This is our life. This is our spiritual path. So let's be letting go of the expectation of the relationship and don't put too much on it. And then let's enjoy the interplay of it. Let's enjoy the play. It's a very, very different approach. But you hit on a really good thing because mm -hmm. uh, the expectation of what the relationship should be or looks like or could be or mm -hmm. whatever, that's where the trouble gets in because then all of a sudden you see the negatives in your relationship and oh it's not this it's not that it's not this it's not that but i want this i want that i want this i want that and then you're then you're there there's no accepting of where you are and that grass looks greener and greener and we've seen couples that you know when you get over there you're assuming that your next partner is going to have all the wonderful aspects of your first partner, plus all the ones you thought she should have. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, wait a minute, that didn't work. <laughs> Which I think uh, leads me to a point about choosing to begin with, to find the partner, that yeah. this is, is really important. What state are you in when you make that choice? Yeah. Right? And, and how to present yourself when you're dating mm -hmm. in an interaction um, because does does our culture tell us to kind of mask our true selves when we go on those first dates and is that a wise strategy really because is is mm -hmm. the is the attitude there is the approach okay I'm going to kind of make them think I'm a certain way for so long until they're hooked in and committed. <laughs> and then when my real self comes out, then it's going to be too late for them. Is that a successful no, approach? No, that's a real thing. I think that's a real thing because what happens is you are putting your best foot forward mm. when you're meeting people and interacting with them. You really are. Mm. And then you're developing this relationship. I remember we were maybe three or four years into our marriage and all of a sudden I went, Oh my gosh, here come the warts, you know? <laughs> you, you began to see each other, uh, you, you see these negatives in each other. And um, I think it's just a natural thing. It's a natural thing. You, you, you can put yourself out there as authentically as you can, 
But the reality is when you get round down to the nitty gritty living with somebody day to day to day to day for years and years, it other aspects of it come out, you know, and they just have to. And then God and Guru's grace, you have a partner that um, you can talk about it with or understands or, for example, for me, I was raised with girls. My mother and father were divorced when I was um, 11, and I had a, a four sisters and a mother. And so when I married Bhagavan, it was like, whoa, <laughs> holy cow. He doesn't always put the toilet seat down. <laughs> Things like, I mean, that's a very minor thing, but there was a lot for me to learn, uh, a lot for me to learn about guys and how they how they are. And for him to learn about me too. So mm. it's a different thing. But the truth is, when I was 16, Avi, and I think this is important in the aspect you're talking about, know what you want in a partner. And for me, I knew when I was 16. He had to be a good dancer. He had to have a good sense of humor and a spiritual path. Mm. Those were the three. So you want to put on a little Hare Krishna kirtan and bust a few moves? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You knew at 16 that sp uh, spiritual oh, very path much was so. important? Very much so. Because I had my own spiritual path already by then. Hmm. And there was no way I was going to be with somebody that didn't also have a deep spiritual why path. Why is it unappealing to be with someone who doesn't have a spiritual practice? Well, because that's so deeply deep for me such an important thing. When we got together, we searched for religions that we might raise our kids, you know? And we did a lot of different, studied a lot of different religions, thought we were gonna be Mormons because we were in that part of the country until we discovered at that time that um, people of color couldn't be, what were they called? Elders in the church or something. Mm -hmm. We said, ooh, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, and then it wasn't too long before we ran into Eastern traditions, and that worked. Mm -hmm. Worked for us. Worked for us. Uh, back to your but, question. Uh, you're, you're going to, I mean, when you see a person that's attractive to you, and they're just beautiful to you, and that's what happens. You just look at them, and it's like there's a glow around them. And you... You know, the way they are physically, mentally, emotionally, you're like really attracted to that. You're going to put your best foot forward. Mm. You just are going to. It has nothing to do with society. It has nothing to do with someone telling you you're going to be like, uh-oh, i got to step up my game to get this person, <laughs> right? And so you're going to step up your game. And you're going to be a little inauthentic in it. Few but, hormones might be involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You're going you're gonna to be inauthentic. That's just the way it's going to be. And then, but you can't keep that up forever. So at some <laughs> point, you got to come down and be more authentic to yourself. And uh, that's kind of the process. You know, you get on a honeymoon and you know how long it lasts, a year or two or three. And then they say that seven years, I used to read seven years is the hardest at the seventh year. And uh, but Bonnie and I hit very difficult years in, uh, from five to seven. Mm -hmm. That's when we came the closest to separating. In fact, we did separate, as she said before, for a few months, and uh, we just didn't like being apart. So uh, then as you go through, you know, you get more and more yourself. I mean, you know, you can't live with a person and fake it. You just can't do it. But it, isn't our best foot forward our authenticity? Yeah, What's sure. better than that? Sure, sure. Well, it's fine as long as you're not hiding something, you know, about yourself or you know, trying to see it to be inauthentic um, is to to carry a weight that you can't carry. You, know, you have to be yourself and yourself is going to come out so that to put your best foot forward is really a dishonesty in a way. Mm. And even though, yes, it's cool and you can do it for a while. <laughs> at some point, you're not going to be able to do it. But if we're deeply rooted in our spiritual practice, which is possible when we go on this path to a certain extent, if you reflect on these things and you meditate on them and, and, well, and you have this approach, okay, I, that's my intention mm -hmm. is to be authentic yes. and to believe that that is actually a wise strategy in finding a partner 
Because if I'm authentic and they're rubbed the wrong way by it and yes. find that distasteful, then even if I'm very attracted to them, then that's ultimately not going to work out. Uh, ultimately may not work out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, be authentic. You know, I would tell a young person if they're trying to find a, a partner, be authentic, be yourself. See if you can find someone that fits. But you're never going to find the perfect fit. I mean, some each person you meet is going to find something in you that rubs them the wrong way. And Absolutely. it should be that way. Absolutely. That's what the rubbing and scrubbing is about. Right. That's what the householder path is about. Yeah. We, you have somebody, you're holding somebody's hand and going down the path, and you're rubbing and scrubbing each other, helping each other move down the spiritual path. It's not necessarily always kind or always um, pleasant, but you've got your best friend. You've got your partner, I say, in crime and in spiritual stuff. But it has to be that way. That's what we do. It's a gift we give to each other, frankly, to stick it out, to go through all that nonsense that you have to go through sometimes to come up on the other side. More spiritually aware, more authentic, more kind and loving and joyful and all the things that we all want to be. And isn't even a spiritual awareness understanding that perfection can't be found, what you're saying, right? You, you come to understand that if I'm looking for someone who's never going to rub me the wrong way, if, <laughs> if I'm looking for a relationship where there's not going to ever be any rubbing and scrubbing, like Boring. then I'm living in la-la land, right? Right. Right. And and the rubbing and scrubbing is good. It's a good thing because it breaks you out of your rigid state of mind. Um, because ultimately what we want to do is, is be living in a free place, you know, a, a place of awareness, a place of spaciousness inside. And our self, mm -hmm. our, our rigidness and how we are and what we do and what we accept and how we judge life keeps us out of that. So what we want to do is when we look at someone and they're doing something that we can't comprehend why they would possibly be doing it, and, and from the standpoint of a man, women are great for that. You know? She still does things, and I'm like, what is she doing? I might say it goes both ways. It goes both ways. So, but I need to, un to ex understand that to expand my, my uh, love and acceptance. Mm in life. And that's what a, a married life is so good for. You get with this person who's not like you in some very critical, deep ways. And you look at them and you say, well, why are they doing that? Why are they like that? And if you can find out the why of them, it will make sense to you. And then you'll say, oh, that's why she's doing it. That makes sense to me. I can accept that. I can love her, even though that's very different. And uh, so, well, I, I'm gonna take that a little further. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to accept it and not understand the why of it, mm. <laughs> because some of it, some of it's yeah. just, if it's not your experience, it's beyond, it's beyond that. So you just have to have faith some way and mm -hmm. and uh, allow that person to be who they are and what they're about, without necessarily sorting through it or. Yeah. Figuring it all out. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not better to just be in the moment, be present, be be um, with each other in whatever possible way mm -hmm. you can in all the moments. And there are good ones and not so great ones and fun ones and boring ones. Is, is the most important thing establishing a foundation of love so that if a foundation of love is established. Now we can kind of play on top of it a little bit and explore each other's growth and you know all sorts of different things. But if that foundation isn't strong and steady there, mm -hmm. then when different you know, rubbing and scrubbing comes up, it can it can shatter, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Well, I, yeah. I'll, 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 you, I'm sure you have something else to say about this, but I would say right off the top. That foundation of love, it builds on it. Mm. It's not, you can't, you mm. can't just start with this foundation of love. 
it's build you build on it with the ups and downs of your life mm-hmm. together so you 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 have all those experiences together that that blend and make then it gets deeper and deeper and deeper this incredible love that you have for each mm-hmm. other it's 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 beyond it's really beyond words i love that I, that feels really true to me that yeah it it's constantly building on top of yeah, itself yeah. through all the different variety of experiences that we yeah, have and, and you're really hopeful hmm. when you get that partner you're really hopeful that their intention and your intention is the same even though sometimes it doesn't look so great or feel so good it's still you're just still you're still building this deep 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 connection that you have hmm. you keep turning it back turning it back to that love, which is what I think you're talking about. So you keep turning it back that way, reminding yourself, reminding them, looking toward each other. Ultimately, in relationship, we're learning to break out of ourselves and include others in a very deep, meaningful, loving, kind, generous way. So if she's doing something that, that rubs me the wrong way it's for me to let go of that in that judgment in me and then i expand in into her as it it, it re- literally feels like that mm-hmm. we join we meet and we come together in a very beautiful loving way so the more that i can let go of my rigidity and the way i think things should be the way i require things to be the way I want things to be. And the more I say, well, you know what? Her way is okay too. In fact, her way may be better than mine. What she's doing is better than what I'm doing. So then I let go. And then that, I mean, there's a thrill in that. There's a, there's a, a deep thrill in that experience of doing that, of really letting go and experiencing the world the way she experiences it. That's expansion of consciousness, and that's getting rid of rid of the ego or doing work in that in that realm. Yeah, because it's saying yeah. there's always more yeah. more to learn. I haven't figured everything out yet. Right, right. Someone else might yeah. understand better than me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I want to say I don't use the ego the way many people use it. The ego to me is a false identification with the body and mind, and the all of what we're going through are purification of the mind so that the mind can get quiet and get very still and focused and 100% concentrated on what's in front of it, and then it will see. It will see what's really going on. It will see the beauty of things, that everything is beautiful. So I see it more as a purification of the mind as, a, as opposed to any, you know, whatever we call the ego. Mm-hmm. People use the ego to be me, to say me, you know, I am the ego. But uh, the ego consciousness is really the uh, misunderstanding that we're separate from from God, if you please, or the universe, or whatever you want to call it. It's just that feeling of separateness. And what I'm talking about releases that feeling in our, in our hearts, in our minds, and makes us feel connected. Because ultimately, it, it all really does come down to feeling. You know, if we feel connected, if we feel happy, you know, if we feel joyful, if we feel loving, we're happy. There's nothing more needed than that. We we had a, a practice that we did for a whole year that was really uh, helpful for us. I mean, it was um, um, in the morning when we woke up, I pranamed at his feet and he pranamed at mine. And it just brought into focus that I'm honoring the divine in you, you're honoring the divine in me. And it just put such a sweetness to our day Mm -hmm. and a refocusing on who and what we were and what we were about in this lifetime. And it was a really um, dynamic practice for us. So It was. It was, it was. So, can you explain what a pranam is? Oh, right? touching your feet, touching your feet. So we would do that for each other every day, and it just 
it reminded me of this divine being that I am honored to be with in my lifetime. And it put it in perspective again. I wasn't caught up in all the minutia of the mind. It just yanked me right out of that and put, this is what's really happening here. This is what's really going on. We're two spiritual beings moving through this minutiae of the world together and managing to grow through it. But ultimately, that's who we are. Mm. So. Practices. It seems that developing these practices have really been beneficial in your relationship. Sure. How, how, does that, how does that happen? Like, does one of you have this idea, okay, I'd like to start, you know, in instituting this this practice? Mm -hmm. um, how do you come up with it? How do you decide how long it lasts? Which, are you talking about uh, formal spiritual practice? Are you talking about some of the things that we do? Yeah, some of the things that you've mentioned, like oh. pranaming the feet or... Yeah, yeah. We, well, you know, we got that from the Eastern spiritual tradition, and it seemed like something that could work, so we tried it. When we first started doing our spiritual path, when we joined with Swami Satchitananda, I remember our discussion, we still joke about it. We were talking, well, should we do this or should we not do this? Is this going to be beneficial? And of course, you know, when you start out, you're kind of, there's kind of like a lot of blinders on your eyes. You know, you don't see real clear. And then we were saying, well, what should we do here? He seems okay, you know. Seems like maybe someone who knows what he's talking about. And, of course, you don't know for sure. And we said, looked at each other and said, well, it's only one lifetime. Let's let's go for it. Let's, let's go, go for, for it. it. <laughs> so we literally, uh, in, in, at that time, dedicated our lives yeah, to this, yeah. just in a conversation like that. Right. I mean, it was a brilliant decision when I look back on it, knowing mm. what I know about those kids now, what mm. they were thinking in those days. Mm. <laughs> it was brilliant, yeah. And yeah, yeah. and we come up with our practices that way, you know. And um, even our even our formal practices, you know, Bhavani and I, we had. Uh, three children before we started doing yoga. And then Radha was born fairly quickly after that. So we, for the most of the time, we had four children. We had four before we met Gurudev. And we had to do some really... No, but, but we were working with Ishwaran. <coughs> we, we were only working had with two, Ishwaran. We the, had yeah, two, right? Ones. But by the time we were really starting to jump into this in a real, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A real way, with mm -hmm. Swami Satchitananda, we had four. And with four children, you don't get any time to meditate, right? So Bhavani, you know, forego, for, forwent daily meditation. She said, well, you know, I can't do this. So I did it. And I would sit and meditate and bring that vibration into the home mm -hmm. through that meditation. And I would let the children meditate with me. So we chose, we made that choice. She said, well, I've got to take care of the children. And it was tough on her because, you know, I'm sitting in there, ah, blissfully meditating, mm. and she's out washing the dishes and stuff. <laughs> and then I would go to work. You know, I would meditate before the children and, and she got up because once things started in the house, there was no time for meditation, and there was no time for sitting during the day. And there was no noon meditation for us. I'm out on a construction job, and she's got her hand full of kids, right, because she almost always had one or two at home because the way they were born, you know, mm. you know, always had a little one for, what, 19 years, I guess. But I had always had the mantra, and that was my practice, Avi. Mm. That was my main practice, remains my main practice. And Gurudev told me several different times, Bhavani, just say your mantra. And that's what I do. That's my main practice, always has, works for me. I can carry it anywhere. It goes with me any moment, day or night, with whatever I'm doing with the children or whatever function I'm in, it's, it's my main practice. So he does more formal practices. Yeah. And of course, integral yoga, my goodness, as Gurudev said, pick any one you want, it will lead you to God realization, no matter what it is. Yeah. But here you have a plethora of paths that you can go to if you'd like. Mm -hmm. But for me, that was mine. And I clung to it. Matter of fact, with Yeshwar and I had a mantra, and then when we took mantra initiation with Gurudev, I went, <laughs> I have to change my mantra, <laughs> which of course I did. Yeah. 
but it was it was so rooted in there, you know, it was hard to make that decision. Yeah. Fortunately, it was a very simple one, Om Shanti, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. fit here too. Oh, yeah. yeah. This idea of I think yoga being um, totally expansive. Mm-hmm. That yoga can be sitting in meditation, yes. or yoga can be doing the dishes. Yeah, right. Uh, and I think you spoke on this last night, Bhagavan, mm-hmm. uh, taking your practice off off the mat. Yes. Why do you think that there's this tendency to compartmentalize our practices uh, in life, as opposed to seeing everything I'm doing throughout the day is practicing yoga, is mm-hmm. a spiritual experience. Is it too much to 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 kind of come to that understanding within yeah. the self? Um, and is there anything that you could share about getting yeah. to that place yeah. where all of life is yeah. a it, yoga practice? It takes a while to work into it. the The mind is very deep, and the uh, we're not only dealing with the conscious mind but the subconscious mind. So it takes time to clean that out so that. And by clean it out, I mean let go of all of our erroneous ideas and let go of our our yearnings and our wants and our desires. And when we start letting go and we start letting those go out of our mind, then things get clearer for us and it becomes easier then mm-hmm. to do this as a full-time practice. And by full-time, I mean you know, all the waking hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at first, you know, there's a lot working on us. I mean, especially, you know, the young people, you know, you, you guys have desires. You have things to do in life. You know, you've got to come up with a, a house. You've got to come up with a job. You've got to come up with, you know, your children are being born, right? And you've got to work all this out. So mostly in that stage, you're not going to have a real full-time spiritual practice. Your, your, the power of your life is going to knock you off base, and you're going you're gonna to have to, you know, change the tires on your car. You're going to have to clean the house. You're going to have to, you know, get up in the middle of the night with the baby. And all those things are very, very difficult to do, actually. The, it's much more difficult to live in the moment peacefully than it is to get peaceful sitting on a mat, right? So it, you start by sitting down in meditation, meditate, get peaceful, and then you start carrying it out into your life. It takes time. It just takes time. And it takes also the unwinding of your life. That's why you see people when they're older like us, you know, we don't have uh, near the problems that we had when we were in our 20s. And our problems are dissipated. I mean, we have income. We don't have children waking us up. Well, sometimes we do. Kai comes (laughs) over, grandson, you know, living next door, but it's a small thing. So it takes time, and it takes practice too, intention. You have to say, I am going to be peaceful as much of the day as possible. And uh, so that takes a focus, real focus to do. And when your mind's getting pulled away to other things, but you know, family things, difficult to do. Later on, it's much easier. But if you keep your practices up while you're raising your family and while you're living your life, then when all that drops away, you're left with a peaceful mind because that's what you've been working on. Right? And while he's sitting, I'm saying the mantra <laughs> okay. and going through everything I have to do, you know, in yes. my life with that mantra backing yeah. me up and also joy because laughter and joy, bringing that to every moment as much as possible. I, I, what do I bring to this moment? Peace, joy, love, and light. What more is there? What more is there to do? Peace, joy, love, and light. It's enough. Mm. It's enough. And you bring it, and as you say it, it comes through you and out, then into the world. So So there's a great story about a monk who was criticizing the householders to the guru and telling telling the guru, these householders don't come to meditation, they don't come to satsang, they don't chant, they don't do anything. And why do you even have them around? Yet they're your favorites. <laughs> and yet they're your favorites. Why do you even have them around? And the guru said, here's a lamp. Take this lamp and light it. And I want you to walk around the temple three times. The guru is sitting in the temple. 
It says, walk around the temple three times. So the monk lights it and goes outside. And as soon as he steps out, the wind comes up. Starts blowing. He's protecting his light. And, and the guru said, you must keep the light lit. And then he walks around, and there he walks through the marketplace, and people are screaming, yelling, and bumping against him, and everything's going on, and he's keeping the light lit. And then he walks around, and a herd of goats come through and starts ruffling him and knocks him down, and he's holding the light and keeping it lit. And finally, after a, a time, he makes it around three times, and he comes back in. He says, there, Master, I did it. The light is still lit. And he said, and the Master said, good. Now you understand. That's what the householders go through every day. All of these things that you just experienced outside, the marketplace, the children, the goats. The <laughs> and he says, it's enough that they can just keep their light lit. Mm -hmm. And that's such a beautiful mm -hmm. offering to householders because you're going through everything. You're not going to be, you know, unless you're, you know, a, a saint, you know, or a, a realized master, you're not going to be. Sitting in a cave. So Keeping <laughs> the mind steady all day long. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So what did Gurudev say? He said, offer your service to your life. So your children, serve your children as their gods. Serve mm -hmm. your wife as mm -hmm. she's God. Serve your husband as if he's God. And so with that kind of consciousness, <clears throat> well, that all-day service, <clears throat> you experience, you start experiencing that peace in yourself. You say, oh, because as soon as you say, I give up, you know, I can't do this, I give up, God, you take care of this for me, you get peaceful immediately. Gurudev said that many times. What's the easiest way to become peaceful? Offer everything to God. Mm -hmm. So as householders, you don't have time to do the long, you're not going to sit in a cave for 24 hours, right? <laughs> you're out working. You're doing things, you know. You may want to sit in a cave. <laughs> right? Seems really easy. Yeah. <laughs> it starts sounding very, very attractive. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but uh, just offer everything. If I would say one, one bit of advice to householders is offer everything. You know, when the baby's screaming in the middle of the night with colic and, you know, you can't sleep and you got to go to work in the morning and... You, know, you hand you, the baby to her, <laughs> and, and and she has and she has the flu. <laughs> I mean, then that you just have to say, God, we can't handle this. We offer this to you, yeah, yeah. and then the mind goes quiet, and then you do the few things to make it better, whatever small things you can see. Mm. You know, take the baby, hold the baby. You know, get a little uh, medicine for the mind, <laughs> and resign yourself for the fact that you're not going to sleep that night, and you're going to go to work tired. And then when you get to work, offer the work to God, mm -hmm. easiest way. Mm -hmm. I think in, the, in, in those moments, right, do we realize that we can't survive any other way? That's right. That's exactly what happens. You, well, you can survive, but you're going to be freaked out. Yeah. And that's not the way to live. Mm -hmm. You know, Don't live freaked out all the time. I mean, settle it down. And settle it down by offering everything to God. And keep a sense of way. humor. Mm -hmm. Offer it to God and... You know, what's that story? Make plans if you want to, oh, what is it? Make plans and see God laugh or something. People yeah. plan, God laughs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's that thing. Keep a sense of humor because that brings joy in. Yes. If we, we nudge each other and say, "You, I can't believe this is going on. And you just kind of, you know, you just, it just lightens it for each other. You lighten yeah. it up. You lighten it up somewhere with your humor. Because ultimately... We're here and gone. You know, it's not It's not like yeah. we have eternity in this form. We're here and gone. And, and yet we make such a big deal about everything. Everything mm -hmm. gets to be a huge, huge thing. And it's like, that's why Muktananda would say, uh, your life, <laughs> that's yeah. it. Yeah. And it's over. And it's gone. And it's just that quick. And yet we spend our time and energy fussing about things that, yeah. What what a waste. So it sounds, Bhavani, that kind of taking things lightly. Yeah. Sure. Lightness is, is yeah. very important to you. Yeah. Is that very right? important. Lightness of just <clears throat> lighten it up. Lighten <clears throat> it up because it, <laughs> it, it, it 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 can get it can get you down if you don't. <laughs> right. If you don't do that. So. Okay. Final thing I would like to ask you about what's one area of your life or aspect of your spiritual practice or Anything that you'd like to share that you'd like to improve on? 
now. Mm. My turn? Uh, I know what you're going to say. Wait. (laughs) I'll answer for you. You answer for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Peace. (laughs) I just want to have abiding peace uh, every single moment of every day of my life. Correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And what would I say, darling? Uh Uh-oh. <laughs> See how easy it is. I don't have to know anything. She, she, mm, <laughs> it tells you what to answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's it. Because Bhavani, those are our main practices. Did you hear what she said? Bhavani wants to be joyful all the time. Mm. Yeah, it's the same thing, really. Mm. Peace and joy go together. Mm. When you're peaceful, you're joyful. But you're, you're, you're not making light joyful, of circumstances and situations. Yeah, you're just what you said, lightness of heart. Mm. So the more I can be that, the more I can be that, and trying times going through this trying time for us the last six months has been interesting for me to keep that joy and keep that lightness through Mm. some stuff that we've been doing but and i'd like to more and more participate in her joy and wisdom too Mm. that her joy and wisdom it's really strange to me when i see couples that are arguing so much because you know especially like i see that women seem to be repressed and there's this immense wisdom in women and we need to take advantage of that especially now mm-hmm. because life has gotten a little too male heavy i think and, and i'm being i'm being kind here to guys to say a little too it's gotten too male heavy and uh take advantage of the women uh the women's wisdom and their beauty and their love and their understanding be humble mm-hmm. in that Listen to your partner. Yeah, actually, I, I really wanted to ask you about this, Bhagavan, because mm-hmm. to me, at least, my perception could be off. But my perception of you a bit is that, um, you know, for a long time, you were really like a guy's guy mm-hmm. type of person, you know, yeah. a- athletic and into construction mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And that you really understood kind of that that whole game to be played of like mm-hmm. what it really means to be a man and maybe yeah. competitive on the top of that world. Yeah. And then at some point your you know your life took a, a different turn and and now you speak of opening the heart and love and kindness and, mm-hmm. and, and these sorts of things and you know I'm I'm even wondering and I got I'll, I'll ask you if if you wonder, you know what what is it going to be like when more men start to open up their hearts? It's going to be beautiful. Beautiful. That that thought is one of the things I work for. You know, I, I love to talk to men about things like this so that they will take up these practices and open their hearts more. It's very, very important. You know, we're, we, we're really, as I said, we got way too much into that competition and that strength and that, you know, survival of the strongest in that way, you know. Uh, physical and mental beating down. You see it's still going on, mm. maybe getting worse in some areas. But we need to be kind and loving to each other. That's the number one thing. And to be kind and loving to each other, we need to respect and understand that the wisdom and the beauty and the love comes through anyone at any time. It can come from anywhere. And allow that to happen you know, allow it to happen in your relationship. You know, sit and listen to her. You know, if if I was talking to any young man with a with a in a relationship, or anyone in a relationship, you know, whether it be you know like a straight relationship like ours or gay relationship, any listen to your partner, listen to their wisdom, listen to their heart. You will learn so much, and it'll feel so good. So, yes, I've given up competition mostly. I still like a good football game. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't take away from you. That's the funny thing. Yeah. I mean, I can still go out if I'm called on to fight a fire or something. You know, I can still do that. I can still, you know, call that man to action. But he's kind of in the background now. He's done his thing, you know, and he's still available. What I found too, actually, is that more 
tuning into this, you could call it a feminine side or spiritual mm-hmm. side. Yeah. I think it's actually made that whole male side even stronger too. It's balanced yeah. it out. It gives yeah. you more of a clear vision mm-hmm. when these situations come. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's just my yeah. experience. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I think that. Yeah. I think we'll have world peace when the men mm. calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Mm. I do. Andrew Davy, one of the sweet women who was the first woman of yoga from South America, patted my knee when I was sitting with her for an hour, and she said, Bhavani, when the women are in power, when the women are the leaders of the world, we'll have world peace because no women will want to kill other women's children. Mm. And she said, well, see. She was talking about the that there aren't enough men in yoga yet coming up. And she said, they'll get there. They're coming. Yeah. And when they do, the women will become the leaders. Mm. May, it'll be more matriarchal than ever before. It's a softer, gentler world without the, what is it, testosterone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> without yeah. all that, we still need you guys in lots and lots of ways, but the heart and the... Um, the softness and gentleness of the world will come into play. Mm. So we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. Sooner the better. <laughs> yes, please. And it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening. It's so nice to see. And Bhagavan tells me that more and more of the men are coming for yoga. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. what's you know, I really I really enjoy seeing you guys come here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really fabulous. a joy for me. It's fabulous. And all the young men and the yeah. Beautiful goddesses they're with, and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you guys are going to take it to levels we never thought of. Mm-hmm. You know, because time going on, yeah. we'll be gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All good. All good. Mm-hmm. All good. Thank yeah. you both so yeah. much. Okay, really thank it. you, Avi. We really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.